0: Thanks on all to fearless in devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast, which is sponsored by the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant. Uh, Wrexham are back in the football league and were treated, well, we were treated to quite a show at the at the racecourse uh, this weekend. Andy, what were your uh, first thoughts on on a big day for Wrexham? Fifteen years
1: uh, in the making. Yeah, it was a big day. Um, I I think maybe the the occasion got to them a little bit. Um, you know, star studied, uh, it's weird, isn't it? Star studied the audience, but we didn't really bat an eyelid that Hugh Jackman was there. He's sort of like, Well, Hugh Jackman, oh, yeah, okay, this week, yeah, and what a massive star! My mum is the most happy she's ever been, uh, about a Rexham crowd. Uh, she was, she was midway to driving there, right? Let's go through the match, firstly. Conditions, I think MK Don played the conditions a hell of a lot better than we did. Uh, the pitch was heavy. We couldn't really get our passing game going. MK Don's took that out of the equation by not using the pitch at all. They were a big team. Uh, they got at us. I think they outfoxed us, a certain, so especially in the first half. I think if you go through each section of the team, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a little bit here, but I've, I've just been thinking about it on the way down. So you go through each section of the team, right, foster, We've let five goals in. I can't really blame him for any of the five, but I think he could have done better in two of them. Um, And is it a worry that your keeper doesn't even try and make a save for for the fifth one a little bit? One to keep an eye on there, Foster. We know before that Foster can have not an overtly bad game, but a poor game and come back the next the next game and be absolutely brilliant. So uh, the, the jury is still out on that one. Defence, I think we needed the physicality of Aaron Hayden. I really do. I think when I was looking at them, warm, Don's warm, warming up, I was there. This is a big, they're a big bunch there. You needed someone physically intimidating, someone who could, with pace and physique, you know, also a goal threat. We, we can't put that to one side. So I, w- I would have definitely gone for Hayden there. Midfield, I'm sorry. Ugh, look, I'm trying to do the be as diplomatic as I can here, but I've never really been a big fan of Andy Cannon. I saw him play an absolutely brilliant match against uh, Dagenham and Redbridge last, last season. He was superb, untouchable. The problem is Dagenham and Redbridge midfield just absolutely didn't go near him all, all game. They gave him as much space as he wanted and he absolutely tore them apart. You're not going to get that in most other games. And I think MP Don's especially targeted him. Uh, didn't give him any space or time, and we couldn't, really, we couldn't really break any lines on there. Lastly, up front, Dolby and Waters didn't work for me. I feel sorry for Billy. I think he's a lad who, who works extremely hard. Um, I wonder if he's going to cut through uh, into this team. Um, it's a shame, but we all knew there would be some people who could, wouldn't really come with us on this journey. And I do wonder if... if <laughs> I feel horrible saying this because you know apparently he's such a such a lovely fella, but I do sort of think are we better off with the likes of even bigger staff as we wait for as we wait for Mullin? Sorry, I know I've monopolised things there, but there you go. I'm out.
0: Wow, that that felt like it was fifteen years in the making. I'm not sure there's anything left to say. Uh, but that went, right, that, went right?
2: that, that went on longer than the actual game. yesterday. We'll, we'll-
0: We'll we'll try our best because there are four of us here. Tim, can you can you be more concise? And I never thought I'd say this. Can you be more concise than Andy? Are you trying
2: to say that I'm never concise? No, that's not,
0: sure? I would never suggest such a thing. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, um, defensive shambles. Got what we asked for, and got what we deserved. Basically, um, rabbit in the headlights for for the large part of it. Had a bit of a bit of a mini comeback, but. Let's be honest, the, the result was never in doubt. They were they were loads of people should, like produced Optus stats on Twitter. after we had 25 shots and goal. Felt like a Dean Saunders debrief. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't Sorry, matter can, I can I come in yeah, on that? Can I come in on that
1: for a second? I saw Dean Saunders there and I texted him after and I said, Dean, what did you think of the game? And he gave me a he gave me a list of stats.
2: Did he just give you that that script from which you've just written you've uh, just No, no, he didn't
1: give me that, but he gave me a load of stats and I and I just replied to him and said, <laughs> Dean Saunders loves a stat.
2: Dean, Dean soldiers was sat next to me yeah he, um... I mean, look, m k dons were clinical uh I don't think I don't think we were quite maybe prepared for the sort of physicality they they offered. They were really really good. we can't shy away from that, but yeah it's you know I'm trying to take the same diplomatic route that I took when when I watched Wales at twenty sixteen euros is that I'm just glad to be here. I'm just glad to be back in the league at this stage. that'll wear off you know, four or five games in if we've only got three points or whatever. But, you know, I think we only won one of the first three last season, one of the first for the season before last. So we're not we're not the fastest starters out of the blocks this season. So we still score three goals against a team that, and we won't come again, come up against that pace every week. I'm sure that their front two are unbelievable.
0: Yeah, actually, I'll pick up on that before I come to you, Liam. Um, Issa and what was the other chap's name? Nick? Ne-
1: Leko the Leko
0: he well, you was, don't pay
1: you don't pay the Leko
0: you don't know, he was superb um they were both fantastic actually uh scored far too easily um but yeah, you know, obviously quality players, and that 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 first goal shocked us as well, didn't it? Obviously, totally needless. Um, when you quite painful watching that, I'm sure Owen O'Connell wouldn't like watching that back. But to get some of the cliches out of the way, best to have your reality check on the very first day of the season rather than have it sort of Christmas time.
3: Um, Liam, what were your thoughts? Well, it wasn't really the the greatest show for Hugh Jackman, was it? <laughs> Oh, my <laughs> mum that. Absolutely, no need to laugh so heavily. Got, come
2: on, go. let's have a deep dive into some other Hugh Jackman films,
3: Liam. Go on, uh, X Men. <laughs> it was all
0: quite lame as a
1: at the racecourse yesterday, wasn't oh. it? Uh-huh.
3: Yeah,
1: weren't the X Men? They were the X Men.
3: So no, yeah, so... but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that there before it, it gets out of hand. Um, it it felt a bit like being the new kid at school. I was quite you know sort of excited looking forward to it and then the the big bully comes along and pulls your pants down in front of the class um it it wasn't the greatest performance by any stretch of the imagination we'll probably come on to things like team selection shortly i would imagine but do i think parky would pick that team again if he could i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought so but th- there's enough positives to take from it i'm that's what i'm trying to do um because i lest we forget i predicted a defeat. I'm not happy about it, but I just thought we were due a bit of a humbling, a bit of a reminder that, look, this isn't going to be easy. And um, I think Tim mentioned it, you know, we have had slow starts before in season. So I don't think it's, you know, it wasn't an entire surprise to me. It was a bit of a, I think that the number of goals we conceded was more of the, the bit that concerned me. Um, but I'll try and take positives. Like I th- I think we look better when we have Oli Palmer on the pitch than when we don't. Um Jordan Davis getting the goal that he did um was really good. I think people have discounted him too easily after last season. That was a that was a finish that an EFL player would make. So I'm taking that as a positive.
0: Yeah, can we talk about team selection? I think are we all agreed here that um it's not the most sensible decision to play your best midfielder at center back. I know this was obviously an ongoing concern last season but haven't we just signed a center back who uh and we had one on the bench who was being one of our better players of the last we two seasons. We had one on the bench.
1: We had about three on the bench. I mean I, I couldn't I couldn't get I mean we all know how versatile Tom O'Con- O'Connor is but he shouldn't be a victim of that. He should, for me, he should be a centre midfielder. Now, the way that, I, if I were the Dons manager and I was looking at that team, I would be licking my lips. I would have been saying, right, they played right into us here because you needed a midfielder who could bypass their own rushing players. They just rushed everything. As soon as we had the ball, they were on us. And a midfielder as clever as Tom O'Connor, who can switch the play as easily as Tom O'Connor at the base, would have got us moving in the right direction, and giving them something to think about. I, 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 think, he's, I think he is that good. Quite a
0: small midfield as well, wasn't it? They were physically dominated. And Tom O'Connor, you know, he's not the biggest bloke in the world, but he's bigger than those three midfielders. Um, I feel like he would offer us some presence in the middle. Um Tim, any thoughts on the strike partnership? I think, you know, it, hard to judge, isn't it? In a in a in a well, first I mean, fifty minutes when they were quite when the team was basically dominated, but it, it didn't really work yesterday, did it?
2: No, if you if you bookend it as, you know, whatever it was, ninety-eight minute thing, it was it was a failed experiment really by Parkey. It didn't quite work for my money. I should I, I still think you look at Palmer and, and Dolby as, as maybe a, a starter for them too. I don't know, but he's obviously I, I'm guessing Waters has trained hard and Parky seen enough of him in the States to go, yeah, we'll give him a go in the absence of the main man. But I don't know, it just it just didn't it didn't work. It just didn't work. You know, they, they didn't get much didn't get a great deal of service for, bigger for staff I, was good. I, when he came on, yeah, he sort of showed showed some promise, didn't he? And it shows why mm. I think was it was it. Parkett said, I think "We said it before that last year he feels that like he's the best finisher at the club, which is quite mm. some some praise." Um, mm. Whether he gets, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be it'll be quite interesting to see if he gets a start against Wigan. You know, yeah, um I'd like to see it to be honest. um let, Let's chuck him in at the deep end. He's going to have to chuck these players. And he's, he said in his interview, didn't he, Parkett, that. They didn't quite get as many minutes into some of the players as you would have liked on the on the trip in the states. So that that, that this game was always earmarked as a as a as one of those exercises where where he's prepared to do that. So we're expecting to see Langton, we're expecting to see Jordan Davis start, we're expecting to potentially see stuff
0: Yeah, definitely, it'll be all changes for Wigan. I think Parky intimated that in his post-match interview. He also suggested something else. There was quite a clear. Are we calling it a? A whinge? Uh, Are we calling it uh, that he was taking a dig at maybe the pre-season tour? Because uh, he was basically saying that that it's had a big impact, which surely you should be starting the season saying we've had a great pre-season and we're ready to go. Not making excuses about the first game of the season based on a poor pre-season. Thoughts? Yeah, I
3: don't think I don't necessarily think that that was the the reason why we lost. I think probably the starting eleven had something more to do with it for me, but I can see the argument about the the scheduling of the pre-season tour, because I think a situation where you come back from a big US jaunt one week before the season starts is less than ideal. You know, if it was brought forward a little bit, maybe a week or so on home soil, play a league two side or, you know, league one side, something like that. So just so that we've got something against the team that's a bit more like what we're actually going to be playing. So I don't know about anyone else, but... I didn't look at the teams we played over in the US and think, "Oh, well, that's a good test of what we're actually going to face this season."
2: I've never—I've I've tried to look at this. I mean, if, nobody last season um, had any major complaints about the preseason, even though that was a bit of a bit of a mess in terms of how it was organised and everything else. I don't think it really matters who we played in preseason. I think it was all about getting fitness and stuff, which you had. I suppose the big bu- bugbear for me was was the scheduling of it all, as Parky's alluded to. And am I right in thinking Foster arrived back 72 hours after everybody else? He come back on Wednesday, apparently.
1: Yeah, he was at the All-Stars game. I mean, he's obviously, you know, they obviously wanted him there and thought it would be nice to get a face like that there. But, you know... Yeah, but again... that's, at
2: the de- that's at the detriment of us, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's easy for us to say that now based on yesterday's performance. But if he gets back Wednesday, I don't know what time, there's a bit of jet lag. Um, tr- I'm assuming he was execution training on Thursday. So is, does he come into the, into the game a little bit undercooked?
0: Yeah well, there was a chap at the um, in the Raxman Lagerstand yesterday saying, you know he does a, he does a fair bit of workout in the states, and he says it takes him at least a week when he's been working at the states before he feels sort of well rested because he does just take time to get back into things, and he's not a professional athlete. you know when,
1: when, when you when you de-
0: Andy, how have you been this week?
1: I've not been sleeping I've been sleeping weirdly. I've been going to bed early thinking that I've, I've I've slept for hours, looking at it and it's half 11, then I'm up for a little bit, and then I sleep for a little bit, then it's four am, then I, I'm still up for an, a little bit, and then I have another sleep. It's like three three separate sleeps. Only last night did I really did I really do it in one, and even then I got up at six rather than four, but it is such, slightly, slightly different.
0: There was a, quite a few early starts of them as well, wasn't there? Flying cross country. It's not like they flew for the states for three weeks and were, or for two weeks and were just there in one spot. You know, they were they were all over the place, weren't they? Um, but still, we can talk about that all day. Let's not. Let's move on to some thank yous. Uh, Tim for an event last week.
2: Yeah, we did the first live event um, at the Mysquin on. Thursday and um, forty hours before, before the season kicked off, and we weren't really sure what to expect. And obviously, we managed to sell it out in good time, which was amazing. And um, yeah, it kind of exceeded all our expectations, really. It was really well attended. Um, thanks to Kev from the Rock and Churn, the staff at the Mize Gwyn for helping serve the food, and the drinks, behind the band, and to Paris from um from Myers-Gwin for really helping kind of almost floor manage almost Simon Cook as well. He helped kind of curate it, as somebody said. Um, obviously, our guests um, Wayne Phillips, gazzo and Paul Rutherford, Neil Ashton, and Neil Roberts—they were all fantastic—and we had the Declan Swans as well, Scoot and Jonesy, were brilliant. And it was just a really good all-round night. You know, loads of good prizes, loads of stallholders came along, and they enjoyed it. They said it was good, like networking event for them. Um, so yeah, thanks to to all them guys as well. It was just the the main thanks for all of us here was to everybody who came and made it what it was really, because we were all a little bit. Not, not not nervous. I think that kind of dissipated quite quickly, but a little bit apprehensive because we we kind of didn't know how it was going to go. And I think bar a few little microphone mishaps, um, it kind of passed off without a hitch. And uh, Simon Cook recorded a lot of it. You can go and visit um, the first part on his blog now. Um go have a look for it. And yeah, it was just great, and hopefully that'll be the the first of 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 something beautiful regarding.
0: Did you, that, uh, you know, did you agree on a name? No. Um, I'm going with East Bedford. Yes, Thedford
2: was good. I thought it was quite good, and then I think I think uh, Andy wasn't too enamoured no, by fine I'm, Andy a, I'm fine with that. Andy hates
1: West Bedford. Can we can we just can we get some clog dancing in if it's going to be a nice Bedford? When you're <laughs> yeah. when you're here, you have to do some disco dancing and then pop the clogs on, mate. But a dance your queer in is it? But a folk dancing? Yeah, yeah I, I'll think about it. Um, that
0: was one of the few things I didn't do at East Edford's actually. So I, I'll come and sing instead. Um, Speaking of substandard audio equipment at uh, My Screen, uh, owned by uh, the Rich Watkin, uh, not saying anything, um, but um, the Fat ball this week, fantastic mural on the side of the building, um, but there's been something of a a row uh, that's uh, come up, hasn't there? Andy, can you you fill us in?
1: Um, I, I probably don't know as much as Tim, but basically... Tim, fill us in then. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh I'm the one who's going to get a season ticket banned great <laughs> um, yeah I mean it's it's relatively common knowledge that it would appear that the club seems to have taken bridge with the possibility of the mural of Liam, Stoke, Ma- Liam Stokes Massey put on the side of the fat boar, having use of the current club crest which we're all adorning by the way, most of us apart from Liam, there's one, that's two, three, the Reese has got one on, um, on the wall. So, you know, time was against them anyway, time frame was short, um, something to do with it, like an intellectual property and a, a sort of due diligence and a due process, please ask for permission and so on and so forth is my understanding. So they've changed it to the old crest, old sort of council coat of arms from way back when. Um, it's still been wonderfully received. Um, Paul Mullin loves it. Everybody has been having loads of selfies with it. I think the big bone of contention for a lot of people who've seen it is that it just feels a little bit like the big man stepping on the, the, the little man business heads. Because, you know, the, the, the Fat Boy have done a lot for the club over the years. They've employed wives and girlfriends of players to help the players and, and their families settle into the area. They sponsor the back-of-the-season tickets there is an awful lot of um, other club badges that have popped up all over town, but a lot of businesses um, and a lot of you know, fellow watering holes. So I suppose the, the big thing is, are they being singled out? Um, and if if they're not, then surely you have to be consistent in your approach to all the others as well. Um
1: I don't think they've been singled out. Look, I've got a little bit of sympathy for the club when it comes to intellectual property like this. Right? Yeah,
2: I, I get why they want to protect it, yeah. but no, no, I looking at it, it feels like a bit of an own yeah. goal because it's drawn attention to it.
1: Yeah, totally. And and basically what I see, yeah, you know, I completely understand the club not wanting hooky gear with the Wrexham. I mean, I'm I'm saying hooky gear. I actually got this as a for reproduction. This is probably the hookiest gear. You <laughs> tell everybody <laughs> you go off Dixie. Uh but You know, I understand like just putting a Wrexham badge on everything, selling it, making money. I understand that. I completely get it. Right. And I understand why they will, they will absolutely be eagle eyed on where, who is using the badge and what, for what purposes. Right. So is Rich using that badge to make money? I don't think so. I think he's using it as another Wrexham talking point in in the town. So you've got you know you've you've got a well trodden path there, right? You you go to the ground, you go to the turf, you go to the Rex Museum, you go and have a photo taken next to the, next to that mural. It just becomes part of the tour. So yeah. you know the modus operandi for the for this for, for this venture from Rob and Ryan and whoever said was like we want to help the community. I okay so you can help the community by letting them you something like that yeah. use the official club badge. Now, the last thing I want to say about it is, look, I can understand why you would want, you know, the club would say, ask our permission.
2: And that's fair enough. But yeah. how many times... And we, have... and we don't know what the outcome that was. The, yeah. It, no, the, and, they, and may, they, they, they may well have said, can we have permission? They say, yeah, of course. So we don't actually know. Yeah, totally. All they can't have done because otherwise be... they'd
0: have done the badge.
2: Yeah. well,
0: Which is why... probably gone, thank you for asking. We'll consider it over the next six months. It
3: was quite well, ironic is though, the... apparently. Apparently, the Andy,
0: Andy finish it. Sorry, I've interrupted. Liam, you go next. Andy, finish your thought.
1: All I want to say is, yeah, I can understand, right, the club say, right, come and ask us, we'll discuss it, right? But what you need then, you need a hotline into the club. And it's either someone answering a phone, which they don't, or someone answering an email, which they don't. And that's that if you can know that you've got a hotline in there where you can say I want to do this it will be great for the community can we use the badge and then you can get a you can get a decision pretty quickly i'm sure everyone would do, would use it i just don't think there is that entry into the club at the moment
3: uh you know me i'm the moaning arsehole. so um i think that it is a bit of overreach by the club and i don't think it's the first time even this week that it's happened really um, I've heard one or two other stories, probably one that's not mine to tell, but another that's on Facebook quite publicly, where a local councillor got called into the club and told off for selling for selling on a match-worn shirt from last season that he won fair and square in a raffle, essentially. He was selling it on eBay to raise money for someone to come over from Patagonia to watch a game, and he basically got told that his behaviour was disgraceful, he said words to that effect. So I just thought that was a bit bizarre. Surely once once you Why win a would raffle, it be
1: disgraceful?
3: I don't know. It's the, apparently is, is it told making that...
1: money off? Is it making money off uh, off some sort of club merchandise? But
2: um, it's, I mean, it's a charity. Okay, and he's okay. not a scalper, is he?
1: Did so he say it was yeah. a charity? On, on I thought there was a grey area on whether he said it was a charity in the original post. Anyway, well, I don't even know if that makes a difference. He won
3: he won, he won the raffle via, via a charity raffle. So the charity has made money. He's then gone to sell it on to basically fund someone, a fan from Patagonia, to come over to watch a game essentially. And I think he made that pretty clear. It's all it's all a bit strange, you know, but it's
0: back to the mural. Um, yeah. I mean, okay,
3: Liam then, do you
0: understand? Do you think that the club should be able to stop people from using the badge if they're gonna you you know, you monetize it?
3: a couple of things there so my understanding is the club can't actually copyright the whole badge because the feathers is obviously not their not their property um so that's one element to it i think it was get rid of the feathers then
1: that answers that get rid of the feathers um the
3: other the other element to it is i think you can basically i think I'll, I probably sure ought to give credit to Rob Taylor from rexham.com otherwise he'll cry. But um he was basically saying that you know there's there's ways around it whereby you can offer a community license to businesses, local businesses like the Fatball, and say you can use this for you know a nominal sum, basically like one pound or something like that, and it basically avoids the whole you know t- basically taking it out on on people who aren't really trying to do the club over. I guess is what I'm saying. So there's ways and means around it without being overly protective if that makes sense um so yeah it's i I can understand in terms of you know things like hooky shirts dodgy merch people using it without permission etc but like andy said it's also you know is artwork a bit different as well um i made the very spurious point that they could ask everyone who's got it tattooed on their bodies to get it lasered off but that was just me being very flippant so i will (laughs) hold my hands up to that
2: also that this isn't like like it's just some sort of franchise business that's moved in the air. said, like, let's whack a mural on the side of it. This is a business that's got a rich Wrexham tapestry to it. We've got an ex-player scored one of the most famous goals for Wrexham Football Club. You know, Barry Horn. we've got ex-chief exec and Don Birch and we've got very well known fine finding rich. So there's that aspect, plus it also has to be mentioned that Paul Mullins' um, autism charity is on there as well. So there is more than one element to it. We're trying to bring attention to the autism aspect and the charity aspect. So, yeah, look, I think it's important to state that we are all for right of reply. So if Sean Fleur, Julia, anybody wants to come on and and set the record straight or put their case forward, then feel free to.
0: There's always an open offer for those people to come on the podcast. We'd love to have them on. I
1: I think Tim's right there. I think we are working a little blind on this at the moment because we don't know the full story from both sides. So we can only give our view on what we know. Yeah, indeed. Um, Let's
0: move on. Uh, there was also a new signing this week back on the pitch. James McLean.
1: Andy, thoughts? Good signing? McLean, I was a little bit surprised. I was surprised we paid money for a 34-year-old. I did wonder where he would play. I was thinking, you know, is he a left wing-back? Because we could need competition there. Or I'm thinking maybe he would slot in the left-hand side of midfield. Um, so originally I sort of thought, yeah, he comes with a little baggage, bit uh, baggage as well, but you know I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I, you know, the guy's the guy's at least principled. Um, so I scratched my head at, at first, but then I saw yesterday. What do you need? You need a guy who won't be who won't be bullied somewhere on the pitch, somewhere, someone who leads by example. And I think from whatever ex-pros say about McLean, and I talked to Mickey about him, Mickey Thomas about him mm-hmm. on Saturday. He 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 does that. He is that player. He is hundred and ten percent. I talked to my mate, who's a who's an Irish football ex um, expert, says everyone loves McLean because he leaves it all out there. He might get a few yellow cards. He might even get a red every now and again. But that guy will not back down, and he will take other people with him. And if we had McLean on the pitch yesterday, maybe we could have scored a few of those other chances we've we had, and maybe he could make a difference. And it goes back to do we want to be spending money on 34-year-olds? I don't care if we're spending money on 34-year-olds if they actually do what we ask them to do. And in this case, it's to help us out of League Two. And if he does that in a season or two seasons, he's worth it. Liam, good signing.
3: Yeah, got to be happy with a player who's uh, played 46 games in the Championship last season. Wigan's player of the season, albeit in one where they got um, relegated. But... You know that their fans really seem to seem to rate him, so I don't see how it can be a bad signing at all. I know there was the usual political <laughs> discussion around it, but I'm not really interested in in that side of things. If he if he does well for Rex and that's all I want. I, I do think you we'll probably see him play left wing back. It sounds like he can play left left back or left wing back. Um There were just a couple of points that our our good friend uh, Wonderboy has um has dropped in with me about that signing. He says that the fee of two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, um, which has been quoted everywhere, was actually a lot less than that. Um and also the talk of him being on championship wages, um, he according to Wonderboy, he says it's somewhere more in the region of five to seven K per week. So you're not looking at breaking the wage structure to sign him. You know, if that's the case, then it's just a it makes perfect sense as a signing from that perspective as well.
0: Yeah, perhaps we'll see him on Tuesday. Um, who knows? Playing a left wing back. Um, let's move on quickly because we've been talking for ages and we've got a- we to.
2: Can we just say that it's James McLean, not McLean? That's my fault. Sorry. James yeah, McLean. Just like it's Max Clueworth, like um, not Clayworth. It's McLean, not McLean. McLean, not McLean, you mean McLean, not McLean, yeah. I got myself tongue-tied. <laughs> then, <yeah. laughs> i I had, I had. Right. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I had, exactly, let's
0: yeah. let's hurry up because we've got a really good interview coming up and we need to get hurry up. Um really quickly, transfer gossip.
3: Um Liam, do you have anything for us? I do indeed. Um I, w- I would ask Andy to play the music, but I, f- I fear that would delay proceedings. No, let's move on. We've but- got time, Andy. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um Yeah, so Wonderboy, who may or may not have been in the crowd at the uh, event (laughs) the other night, has uh, done quite a lot of uh, digging for us. So we've got a few things. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But So according to him, midfielder Matty Virtue has agreed to join us, but Blackpool are dragging there. Is he playing that song, for Christ's sake? (laughs) You can barely audible as well. Um, so, yeah, Matty Virtue has agreed to join us, but Blackpool are dragging their heels. Um, Parky has been meeting up with a player who would be a huge signing if it comes around, which is very, very cryptic. But uh, I like that. Um, and apparently so Harrogate striker Luke Armstrong did not play for them yesterday after saying that basically his head wasn't in it because he's had a few bids in for him we are one of those which has made a bid, according to Wonderboy. So that could be quite interesting in terms of uh, the striker situation. And just one more bit I'll pick out of this because it's quite comprehensive. Apparently, Stoke have also been sniffing for Aaron Hayden, which would be quite interesting given uh, given the events of the weekend. So, yeah. Yes, uh, that the,
0: the, that is the, one of the most interesting... Um i like to move it, move it segments we've had in a while. Um, So thanks for that, um, Liam and Wonderboy. Right, let's move on. We've got a big interview for you this week. It's actually one that we conducted ages ago, uh, but we haven't found the right time to do it. What with a few of us been away and with other guests um, being available um, to discuss current events. So now we feel like we've got a great slot. We didn't want to waste it. So next two weeks, we're going to have part one and part two of I think it's fair to call him a Wrexham legend, certainly a modern Wrexham legend. Um, So please enjoy this interview with Mr. Sean Pearson.
2: Our next guest became so popular in his four years at Wrexham that he was honoured with his own appreciation day. Signed by D. Keats in May 2017, this no-nonsense centre-back made 138 appearances, scoring 12 goals, six of which somehow made him the Reds' top scorer in the 2018-19 season. Leader of men, he captained the club with distinction, delivering for the people of Wrexham both on and off the pitch, but we'll come to that a bit later on. Many Wrexham fans were gutted to see him return to Grimsby, a club he would help win promotion to League Two for a second time, but the blood, sweat and tears he gave to Wrexham will live long in the memory. Upon announcing his retirement from playing, he was branded one of the best by Ryan Reynolds, and we couldn't agree more. Welcome to the podcast. Sean Pearson, how are you doing?
4: Ah, oh, very well, thank you. Thanks for uh, inviting me on.
2: Was that good enough? Or Sean? Sure that,
4: that, that, uh, that was very generous, I think.
2: Happy days. So it's it's great to finally have you on. Um, we'll we'll get to the the, the the sort of point of you retiring later down the track, but let's before we get into it, before we get into your time at Wrexham from the off, let, let's let's do a few warm ups just to get you into the flow of it, just to get you into the mood of what's going on. So first things first, best manager you've ever worked under is it Dean Keats, Paul Hurst, or Rich Watkins?
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's got to be Richie Watkins, has not it? <laughs> He's just saying that because
2: he's here. I
4: think, what a great uh, question! He was Absolutely defi- amazing he was question. Definitely the least
5: organised manager I worked under.
2: <laughs> Rich, are you got right to reply on that one.
5: Uh, yeah, he's, he's he's done me straight. Like literally one minute into the pod, and he's already hammering me. Uh, this is exactly why I didn't want to come on.
2: <laughs> well, you're in now. Actually, you might as well fight the good fight. It doesn't matter.
5: Yeah. Like, there, there were there were good
4: times. Well, not good times in general life, but I did. Uh, I enjoyed. Enjoyed them. times were rich.
2: Happy days. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of... Let's go to the fairly immediate past um, when Grimsby beat Wrexham 5-4 in that playoff eliminator, which we can kind of look (coughs) back on with a little bit of... Not fondness, Andy's shaking his head, but maybe (laughs) maybe it gave us the kick up the arse we needed. I don't know. But I remember texting you and you messaged back. So... Just tell us how you felt at that time because you were delighted for obviously for Grimsby, but I think there was a little little element of a little bit of mixed emotions there from you.
4: Yeah, 100 percent mixed emotions. I just um, obviously I 100 you're in the game, you want to win. There's no like there's no um, there was no feeling during the game as such. It was just at the end of the game. You know, I knew a lot. Of, got to know a lot of people really really well in that four years at Wrexham and, and lived and breathed it alongside people and. Uh, knew how much it meant to him. And then not only that, uh, Youngie, who has become really one of my best friends in football and outside of football really now, um, I knew what he'd put into it, what it meant to him. And then someone like Jordan Davis, for example, who's a little bit of a different relationship, but actually really close relationship, maybe a little bit like an older sibling type thing, felt like I'd really helped him in his first year. Um, Just didn't feel it was the right moment for me to be. Dancing around and uh, and celebrating, and obviously, I, and and to be fair, actually going back to the end of that season, not just the Rectum game, the the Knox the County game, the Hill final. Uh, I remember sort of telling myself like I knew I wasn't going to have too much longer left playing, and how many more of these moments I was going to have. And like, I look back to the promotion we had before at Grimsby, and I don't really remember a great deal of it. You get so carried away, so caught up in the emotion. Um, this time I sort of said to myself of each of them big wins that we had, try and absorb it and take it in a little bit more, so it was um, yeah, just tried to, to, to for me to be able to remember them, them them moments, and obviously fortunately for us, it was magical the whole way through, and we managed to go on and, and get promoted, so um, yeah, just tried to take them in, and like I say having people so close to you like I finished the game, and I think initially the uh, Max broke in the to goalie. He, he jumped on me, and then the next couple of people saw were Yummy and George. So, you know, the last thing I was going to do is obviously rub it in their face or anything like that. Obviously, now it's it's much easier to talk to them about it because uh, they've obviously got promoted themselves. So uh, it makes it much easier and much sweeter. My wife's decided to start making a cup of tea now, just as we started. If you can hear noise in the
2: background. <laughs> hello, Clarice. Hope you're well.
4: We're <laughs> all saying hello. Hope you're well. <laughs> Are you getting me? one Sean?
2: That's the question.
4: I, no, I, I, definitely, one? Won't. I definitely won't get off. <laughs> I
2: don't I don't know about this question, but um why do you like <laughs> being called Greg?
4: <laughs> Who's that? can only be Scott Bowden that's put that across all our Dean Keats. Um, um
1: right, can I so uh before we sort of did these questions, I, I've talked to uh, talked to one one ex teammate in particular, and I wonder if you can guess who it is by, by the end of it. I think but you'd yeah, be able to. I'll be to.
4: fascinated to so, see. Yeah, the uh, Greg just come from come from Scott Bowden. Just won, I think it was the first pre-season game at one of the local um, local clubs we played against, and he'd only. He, I don't think he actually played. It was a day he sign. He just turned up and he was like, he asked Jack McCreth, he was like, "Who's captain, Greg?" And then it just stuck like the worst story ever, really. But. Uh, The the gaffer Dean Keats got onto it at the time and he decided to put it... We had, like, obviously our pods for our um, GPS and he put Greg on there rather than Sean and then that was it. It just, yeah, just stuck forever with with that group of lads, really. Great Um, stuff.
1: Sean, can I just say that Greg Edward Pearson was born in Birmingham, started his career at West Ham, went to Rushton and Diamonds, Bishop Storford, Burton Albion... Grimsby Town and finished at
4: the meeting. wow Grimsby Town as well West Ham I think I wish I'd have had that one TV.
2: final uh, final warm-up question before we get into it has Richard Brodie's penalty landed yet and if it has where did it
5: land <laughs> roads
4: yeah <laughs> that penalty holiday. then again I was the one that gave the penalty away in the last yeah. couple of minutes to set uh, that uh, game to extra time oh yeah that was uh, that was a painful moment obviously not for yourselves that, that day obviously the other way around but um yeah, it was a, It wasn't the best of penalties, was it?
2: Did you ever find out if Richard Brodie genuinely hated Wrexham? Because as the years went by, we'd cross swords with him at like Southport, and and, I... you know, and it was had banter with him R- sometimes. It yeah, R-
4: Richard Brody was a funny character. Actually, he, actually, on a day-to-day basis, was quite likable. Really, he was uh, yeah. Just never played. Genuinely, never played with anybody that was hated. Basically, at every other club we went to, like <laughs> honestly, it was, ev- and he just. It didn't, well, I say it didn't affect him. I'm not sure if it was good for him or not, to be honest here, but he didn't shy away from it, let's put it that way. I remember a bit like, we were going to Cambridge, like, and we went to Cambridge, there was no real rival. He was up the top one year, so it was a little bit, but like, and they hated him and just, yeah, pretty much everywhere we went, he was hated. <laughs> uh, but actually, he, he was an all right guy, really, deep down. He was, uh, he was quite soft deep down and, and quite a nice guy, but yeah. Here, do, you know, do, you, do you
2: know what he's up to now? I'm curious. I'd love to know. I think
4: to. he's uh, a manager. He's either he? a manager or an assistant manager down the pyramid, maybe at like step four or something like that. I'm sure I've seen it somewhere or involved in some respects on the coaching side. I, I've, I've got a feeling he's a manager. I'm sure I've seen it somewhere this summer. Can't remember exactly where. Wow. maybe we are. So yeah. yeah. Which really surprised me when I saw it, if I'm totally honest, but fair play to yeah. him.
2: So let, let, let's, let's, let's go to your. Your arrival at Wrexham, obviously Dean Keats signed you. We were all overjoyed because the long on we've got a really solid player that comes with some sort of pedigree, you know. Um, so, how did that come about? Were, were you friends with Dean prior to that? Obviously, you give you give the penalty away in the trophy final against him. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where which, did it all stem from? Your your kind of um... which
4: let, let me just tell you first, he never ever let a day go by in the time he was manager at Wrexham, and I played for him, and not bring that up like it was every day, constant. Uh, no, my best mate James McEwen, Grimsley the goalkeeper who was obviously fantastic in that final he was really good friends with Dean Keats and I was out of the team in the season before I signed at Grimsley for a period a brief period and um, I was like, going to be out of contract in the summer we changed manager didn't really know what was going to happen Max Spignett just come in and Macra just mentioned it to uh, uh, Keats saying saying like, obviously there's um uh, don't know what's happening with Sean but it basically recommended to him. So the first contact was probably either December, January time, that not exactly when, but roughly around then. Uh, but literally as he rang me about a loan, more alone loan for the second half of that season, uh, Mark Spignett put me in the team and made me captain. Basically I played, ended up playing. So obviously that, um, it sort of went quiet really then. Mark Spignett got sacked towards the end of that season. Uh, Russell Slade come in. I actually played, I think, I think he had five games as manager. I think I played the last four of them. Um, and then Dean was on to me and on to me, on to me. Uh, and then obviously it became apparent that Grimsy Worker going to offer me a new deal. Um, and then it just went from there, really. It didn't take too long, really. There were just a couple of other... I had a couple of other offers. One was Barrow at the time, who were actually offering really good money. Uh, much better than what Wrexham offered at the time. <laughs> um, and... Uh, So, yeah, so it was just a case of negotiating. I was negotiating, obviously, I wanted to come to Wrexham. Obviously, I couldn't give away that too much to Dean because obviously I was trying to negotiate to get the best deal I could out of him. I think, to be fair, Barrow offered me a a substantially better deal. Um, But as in terms of, and this is nothing against Barrow, nothing disrespectful, as in terms of just history, size of club, everything like that, um, it just made sense, really. was was the one we decided to go
2: you settled in fairly quickly i'd say and in that that first season um there was a lot of clean sheets a lot of clean sheets which as a defender is like the greatest thing for you how how did what what was the partnership like i think sort of manny smith wasn't it as well i mean yeah, man, how, man. How, what what how did you and him complement each other's game because like manny was like the silent assassin
4: <clears throat> yeah it's, it sometimes you just click with people like our oh, first that we room together personalities, very different personalities, but clicked, got on really, really well. Um, a really, really top guy, and a, a top, top defender, really. And it was fascinating because I think in general, and I've talked about this a little bit, is in terms of sometimes people have perceptions and the natural perception of me and Manny was like, I was the head at kick it. He was a bit quicker and calmer on the ball. But, um, and I'm sure Manny, what I'm saying, it's actually a lot of teams would have tried to kick onto Manny in general because he had this vision of me being the aerially dominant one, but actually Manny was probably just as good as me aerially, you know, so we never really were vulnerable in that sense. Um, he was obviously much quicker than me, which uh, helped me a lot at times. And I like to think that helped him in terms of, he was probably a little bit too laid back at times, Um, you know, as in terms of leading the line and things like that. But um it was a, I don't know, it just, it was a partnership, it was a special partnership. So probably, I'm not saying he's the best centre-half I've played with because I've played with some that have probably gone on to better things, but definitely um, probably the one I enjoyed playing with the most as in terms of we just hit it off and just yeah, perfectly complemented each other, really. Um, and it was just a shame how that season ended because actually that group of lads were a really, really good group of people and just unfortunately probably didn't have quite enough quality to... To get where we want it to get to at the end.
2: Speaking of uh, a lack of quality, I don't know whether that's unfair. It's a loaded question already, mm. but tell us a little bit about uh, James Hurst. <laughs> because. Uh, See, he, Hurst,
4: Hurst, he didn't lack quality. That was one thing he didn't lack. Did he Hurst, lack application? He's an interesting character, is probably the best <laughs> way to describe it. I mean, actually, I remember. Um, potential-wise out of that group who's probably actually had the best potential to get back, you know, further up the ladder, he was athletic if he got himself fit and in proper shape, athletically he was probably as good as anybody we had, he had good ability on the ball, uh, strong unbelievably tough in a tackle good in the air, like he actually had all the attributes but I think he was just maybe one of them where football had he'd obviously started higher up, I think sometimes football can sort of chew people up and spit them out and it's quite a ruthless world. And sometimes people then find it difficult to find a place down the ladder, so to speak. Um and I think maybe, you know, he's he done some silly things at times, I think, which have been obviously come quite public in rectum and stuff like that. But um he yeah, ability wise he we really could have done with him just applying himself a little bit more. He's just like he just had Difficulty. And I remember one day training, Dean Keats put me on his team. Kaffer speaks to me. He's like, look, you're on his team. I want you to basically get on to him. Like, was on at me to try and get on that. Generally, I had a good relationship with all the players as, as the captain. We're doing these games. If your team lost, you had to run sickly. So, like, we keep losing. And his application is dreadful. And, like, I start screaming and shouting at him. And he just said that. He's like, he basically is just like, you're not getting any more out of me. This is all you're getting. He's like, he said, what was his word? Something like, Who do you think we are? We're playing League Five or something like that. He's like, <laughs> and it, it was like I was just like, I looked at the gaffer and I'm just like, what more do you want me to do? To and and I had a conversation with him one day and he just said to me, He said he really this was James Ursha said he really struggled some days. I think he had, you know, maybe don't know, mental health problems is the right word, but he, he said to me, some days I come in and I, I've got it and I feel like it's there. And, and some days I just really struggle with that motivation. And in, fo- in football, that becomes so much more apparent. In other jobs, you sort of get away with that on some day-to-day basis. Like you turn up at Tesco's, for example, if you're not really feeling it, you can sort of get away with not, you know, you do your little bits or whatever. Nobody's really going to notice too much difference, I don't think. Um, but obviously in a football environment, it was very different.
2: Does that say, that must tell you a lot about, about you as a as a leader in that dressing room, that somebody like James Hurst can come in and trust you with that information? Because we know what it's like. It's, it, it, we're still fighting against that stigma now of men talking about issues, blah, blah, blah. So when James Hurst comes to you and says, sometimes I've got it, and sometimes I'm just not sure about it, I mean, that, you, must, you must have felt quite... To be entrusted with that information is, is was
4: yeah, that- uh, yeah yeah quite possibly yeah at the time I didn't really overly think too much of it you sort of I would say I've always even when I was younger more so definitely when I've got old become like a, even when I've not been captain almost like a senior figure as in terms of I like to think I make it apparent that people can talk to me as in terms of whatever they think it may be and being able to sort of adjust to different characters. Um, and very, something I learned I've just started my A licence uh, something we learnt on, on there is actually tra- and I think I've done this pretty well in my life without actually thinking about it and obviously when I went on my A licence talk about it, it's actually to separate sometimes because a certain person behaves in a certain way we actually stick that to them where actually we have to separate that behaviour from the person if you see what I mean, sometimes there might be reasons why certain things, and I'm not saying that means we accept certain things like with James Earth we tried our best to get the best out of him for whatever reason, we couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, definitely as a, as a captain, I like to think I'm all, as a captain or even just in the dressing room in general, I like to think I've always made myself somebody that can be trusted and, and try and help people as much as I can.
2: Okay. So let's go to back to, to, to Dean Keats. Um, could you, could you see it being pretty obvious that he was leaving when, when that, when they came calling, it was, it was Walsall, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, did you feel that... I, I mean, we, we spoke to him, and I'm pretty sure Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but he kind of agonised a fair bit, but then just thought he's got to go because it might not arise again. What what was your initial thought process around that? Did you sense he was going? Did he have any conversations with you as to what decision he'd made?
4: Um I'll be totally honest. I can't remember that well, to be totally honest with you. Um, I remember him... Calling me to say he was going to go, and foot, like as as much as I would love to have, to have stayed, uh, foot, that's football. Like it happens, and that can happen at any point at any club type thing, you know. Um, uh, the the bit I found difficult with the club at that time was I felt as though because he went, it almost just deflated everything. Like the club had had been on hard times, struggle, struggle, struggle. All of a sudden, we're doing quite well, and when we're doing well it gets ripped away so like it almost like people are just like oh it's happening again and that that was something I struggled with and I remember we beat May so and I really celebrated after the game like mm-hmm. in terms of, and I was saying to the lads like I was almost trying to like you could feel it was in terms of not that anybody had given up but almost it was like oh it's going to happen to us again and I'm like thinking no come on like we need like there has to be more fight and I don't mean within the players and I remember going around the players like saying come on like just G him up, like, G the crowd up, G, try and get it, but it never works. I'm not sure we won another game after that, but uh, just, I remember the feeling at the club at the time and just thinking something went missing 100% in them last games, as though, like, not that it was acceptable, but, like, there was an excuse all of a sudden. And as a football club, I would say, it got itself in a position where almost, definitely when I first come, and I remember having a chat with Dean Keats on, having my first or second day training, talk about James Hurst, James Hurst smashed Leo Smith in training and like Andy Davis stops it and it was a great tackle. It was not, it stops it and I'm, I am I'm remember saying to Keats, like that cap stopped. Like that, that to me, I, I was used to, obviously Paul has trained under him a long time. So my, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Now I look back actually, there's loads of different ways you can do it. But obviously the way we'd had success was like that, training was proper like you had to have proper tackles like it was full tilt and i felt almost stopping it in that moment you're taking that edge away from it a little bit and i think in them first couple of years dean definitely started it off probably before i joined but it was getting stronger and then when he left it just sort of crumbled a little bit and that was a shame that happened because like i say but and, and maybe a little bit also we rode our luck that time in in the season at times that year we were if you look at that group of players, some really, really good people, like I said before, um, but probably actually lacked the real quality to be in the top two or three at the end of it. And I think it maybe just caught up with us a little bit, as in terms of towards the end of that season.
2: Do you think if it, if Dean had stayed, you would have would have gone up?
4: We'd have had a, we'd have had a chance. I think we'd have got in the playoffs. I don't think we we were a good enough team to um, to win the league. I don't think. But then. That year, it wasn't like really... Macclesfield ended up going clear, mm. but actually for a long time that season, there wasn't really anybody clear at the top. It was quite open for quite a while. I think we were top at one point in definitely February. I think we won it away at Geisley or somewhere like that and went top. And so we were still in and around it. Uh, but I don't think we'd have had enough quality, but at the same time, once you get in them playoffs, anything can happen, like as I've learned mm. in, over over the years, basically.
2: Did that did that put Andy Davis in a bit of a difficult position because you know the I suppose the, the thinking from from you know, the powers that be thought well continuity Dean's gone we'll stick his number two in charge and that will be seamless but didn't quite happen so I know you've alluded to it already about maybe just not having enough quality to go up so I suppose looking at it was was there any was there any blame. Was it a player thing? Was it management? Was it just Dean going? Was it a collective effort that it just, just didn't quite happen?
4: I think a little bit of the season caught up with us, like I said. Um, I look at it, The Scott Quigley obviously arrived in January, started like a house on fire. His form falling away really killed us as well because without his goals, we, Chris Allred right, obviously got a few. Um, but in the second half of the season, without Quiggs's goals, we didn't really have a, a great goal source. Um so that what caused his drop form, I'm not so sure. Lack of confidence, he was struggling with an injury towards the end, which didn't help 100%. Um, but I think, like I said, I just think the club as a whole, a little bit like it was like, oh, it's happening to us again. And you could. I think you could feel that around the places in terms of like... So then that has an up and effect to the players. And looking back, at the time I thought it was the right thing to leave Andy in charge. Looking back now, whether Andy knew he was going to go straight away or not, I'm not sure. Um, if the club did know that, looking back, they probably should have let the staff that were going to go go straight away and, and change it. But that's easy to say that in hindsight. Nobody knew, obviously, how it was going to play out.
2: Before I hand over to Andy, Rich, you got anything from that first season you want to level at, Sean? <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be honest, it's, It, it... It always makes incredible uh, listening. I think when you when you hear back from the people who are in the camp because you know as fans we've all got our own viewpoints of of why things is happening. James Hurst was always the one I, I always remember when myself and Sean spent a bit of time. You know, was, James Hurst was always the name which it was like he's the one. Like you, you know, I could I'd always say Sean, like, bloody hell, like, what an idiot that man must be and stuff like that. And and Sean would always come back like say like his talent is, is right up there. Um, so when he was saying the stories about James, that's what I always remember that that was, that was the information I was given that this guy actually could have been a serious, serious player. Um, and it was just unfortunate that things off the, off the pitch transpired, which meant he, he couldn't, he couldn't do it for us. But, um, I think the I always remember. I think was it was that the season we played Chester. And I, I remember thinking before the the Chester game that he was the guy I really wanted to play because I, I think he'd come on off off the bench the game before. and We were away at Chester, um, and and I remember thinking if he plays, if we get him right. We, 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 you know we've got a hell of a player here, and and I guess that's that's life and that's sport, isn't it?
2: You've just reminded me, actually, to insert that question about Chester because I knew there was something I was missing. Yeah, I've set
5: him up there. I've it, was, yeah. it,
2: it might have been Chester away in that. In that He's got of...
5: many goals, but, you know, let's yeah. talk about what he did. Yellow,
2: <laughs> yellow and red Baywatch kit live on BT Sport, I think it was. BT Sport, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, can't, I
1: can play it. I can play it. I've got it all I've got it lined up here. Andy's got it
2: ready. Let's watch it. And then you we go, talked like, about
1: this before, it. Tim. We went
5: through this. I know, but I wasn't, but I'm getting, I'm, I wasn't but part of that conversation. I'll
2: show you how excited I am by all this.
5: <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, amazing marketing. Amazing marketing.
1: <laughs> right, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to put this on <laughs> now, boys. Right, let's enjoy this. But, I mean, it went so well last time. It's not going to fuck up, is it? Right, hang on. Oh, Can you Look. see that? Yeah, we can see yeah,
0: it. Poor so far. The delivery's not been right. It's a massive area of the game when the he's when out over control, the ball. Max Kelly. Really oh low. yeah. So what the <coughs>
2: for? Underrated kick, that you know. Let's see if Axon
0: can improve it here. Better from Kelly. Oh, and it's in.
2: <laughs> Pearson celebrates.
4: I just remember celebrating after the game. Right. Chris Doig is the assistant at Grimsby. Text me, and he was he'd come to watch a player. I can't remember we come to watch now, but and he was sat right there, and he was like, "When have you ever been a knee slide
2: celebration?" <laughs> guy?
0: I was going to say that looks that was the knee slide of a man who didn't quite know
4: what to do. No, yeah, I didn't have a <laughs> clue what to do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that um, no, was that was a special night.
2: What a goal! Great day. How oh, did you yeah. celebrate after? Because I remember there was there was the the lads. I think it was it might have been Leo Smith. A few had, had loads of like flags that fans had chucked onto the pitch <clears> for. I, just,
4: I remember the gaffer, Dean, obviously say, said to us, like, look, fa- I think were well, the fans kept in maybe or they just stayed in, I'm yeah, not 100% totally sure, but right. basically said, like, just let's enjoy it. He was trying to build that rapport all the time, trying to build momentum, things like that. And we'd started to get a bit of momentum because we to be honest with you, that night we were absolutely dreadful. I remember watching the game back. I don't, I'm not sure we had another shot on target in the whole game. Like, I'm not sure if we had another shot. We were so bad. Um, but obviously managed to find a way to win the game. Um, but, yeah, I just remember him saying, obviously, try and build that rapport, embrace it, Um trying to build something. And, obviously, a couple of lads, I think Rudds jumped in the crowd. Rudds loved it. Like, what a guy, by the way. I think, have you had him on already? Or Yeah,
2: we've had yeah. him what what, what,
4: what what a guy, I mean, one like. One uh, of
2: the most listened to pods we've had, I think, just because he's yeah,
4: like... top, 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 top man. Um And, yeah, so just... It was it was a really enjoyable evening. I always remember it as well because it'd been moved. It was meant to be on the Saturday originally. I think it'd been moved to either Friday or Thursday. it was it ended up being a Wednesday night maybe. And we didn't have a game for a little while afterwards. And Pete uh, had said to the lads like basically it was an incentive, like you win, you'll get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On. So obviously as bad as we were, we ended up winning, and he had to hold up his side of the um, bargain. Obviously, give the lads yeah a few days off as a reward. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a it was a good night, and I'd probably looking back now, you could say it's essentially the last time Wrexham were going to play Chester in a league game. There, so it was Oops, uh, so. It's
1: hoping, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I, I, it's hoping. It, well, it's realistically, it's probably not going to be happening anytime soon, is it? Um, right. Let's let's skip ahead to the second season. Interesting what you are saying about mentality, and maybe there was something in the Wrexham sort of psyche and in the, the staff, maybe the players that you know sometimes. Th- Losing was a was a, was a default. I think the the next guy who came in, I think he sort of wiped that away a little bit. It was Sam Ricketts. Um, we've had him on. He's an impressive fellow. When you talk to him, I know it didn't end well for him, but we'll get to that. What were your sort of initial impressions of him as he came in as a as a man and a boss?
4: Um, I think the he he also got the job, he rang me and said he'd like to meet me. Um, I was getting married that summer and. I'd like, I don't do anything with my hair ever, as you probably noticed in the four years. But I was getting married, so I thought, right, I've got to do something with my hair on my wedding day. So I actually went to a barber's and had a, a trial, basically, of getting my hair done. Um, so the first time I met him, my hair was all swept over and looking pristine. And I bet he was thinking, look at that, he's been well-presented. And uh, he'd never seen me like that again. But um, it was interesting, really, because um, I wasn't 100% like, not that I didn't like him or anything. I wasn't sure how we would get on when I first met him. The first couple of conversations, he made it pretty clear to me that he wanted me to stay. I had an offer, um, I think, filed. Graham Barrow was the head of recruitment at Fylde at the time before. Obviously, Sam brought him in as assistant. They'd literally just made a bid for me maybe the week before, something like that. Um, obviously, we are paying good money at the time. Um I think he thought I'd heard about it. Like they'd obviously maybe contacted me anyway, but I'd, it was completely out of the blue to me. Um, and he just said, look, he wanted to stay. They rejected the bid. What What we happening? And I said to him, well, that's perfectly fine with me as long as you want me here. He said he wanted me to be captain, blah, blah, blah. And then it was just interesting getting to work with him. He was, he was, in my opinion, he was really, really top draw. I've always spoke highly of him. Um, the one thing I thought he may have struggled with and I think he probably, I think Dean had already started working on it for the following season was uh, his targets of players and I think he probably pinched a couple off. I think maybe, I'm not sure exactly how it worked. Darlow maybe had the list and obviously Darlow stayed so maybe, I'm not sure exactly how, but I remember him asking me like, who would you say that the best he asked me the best three centre forwards. so he asked me and Manny Smith together the best three centre forwards we played against the previous season. Basically, would you sign? Um, I would have signed Andy Cook, which I think <laughs> we never signed. Andy Cook, mate. <laughs> no, uh, I would have signed Andy Cook at the time. I said that in at that level, absolute guaranteed goals. Um, big handful would have been perfect for us. I think the year before under Dean, just before Christmas. I think it was probably the closest it ever come to happening. Um, but obviously then, Tramere ended up, ended up putting him... I think us was winning there 1-0, actually. Looking back in hindsight, if we'd have let the two strikers play and score a couple of goals, Cookie might not go back in and maybe we'd have <laughs> signed him, who knows. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, Sam was just asked us, like, who the best striker we played against. I can't remember exactly who the list was. I remember Manny Smith saying Danny Johnson, who's... Um, now he scored goals for Walsall at the start of last season in League 2 I um, can't remember who else we said but yeah so he just asked their opinions on things like that so I think the one thing he could have struggled with was, was recruitment not knowing the level really um, but he managed to find a way of getting around that if you see what I mean and uh, and did that well and he was a little bit fortunate with being able to get Rob and then it was obviously yeah top top, top draw um, and I think Helped it, helped him getting Yussi because at the time I don't think the club wanted to pay, pay a great deal for a goalkeeping coach, and they got Yussi on a really, really cheap deal, I think. Um, but Rob and Yussi were really close, and basically, Rob said to Yussi that he'd come, but only if Yussi was going to be there in every day. And Yussi was top, top, um, top, top guy, and I think he did a lot really for nothing um, in that year, as in terms of he was getting paid, but he was doing a lot of extra work that he wasn't getting paid for. So, um yeah, I think that was the one thing I'd worry about with him, but he managed to find a way of working really well
5: in that respect.
1: Yeah, you you know what? You preempted my second question because you know a lot's come in, but the one the one who's still there, I mean, the one who can probably play in in, in League Two if he can stay clear of injuries is Rob Layton. Could you tell straight away? Well, this is this is a keeper.
4: Um, maybe not straight away. No, mm. um, he'd obviously been injured. I remember we played. I was injured. We played away at Telford in pre-season. I think we lost either three or four-one. Akil Wright played centre half, and I always joked with Aki saying, "Like God knows how he could never play centre half again." And he's just played the whole season in League Two for Stockport at centre half and been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, so it just shows you what I know really. But um, and and not that Rob was at fault as much. But I'm watching it. I, I wouldn't have watched that game and thought Rob was going to be outstanding but then once we got into the season he just started like an absolute house on fire and uh, I always I got really well with Rob still now and uh, I always say to him and to him like that obviously the reason why he was so injury free that, that year was because uh, he didn't have nothing to do with me in front of him <laughs> like but uh, but no he was, he's top top draw and such a shame that he just can't stay injury free because it's uh, he, he's a, a really top keeper especially at that level
1: I want to talk about another injury, really. Manny got injured pretty early doors on that. Is, is that one? I mean, I, I was there at the game. I think it's away at Solihull. I looked at it and went, I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, but I didn't think it was, it was anything really bad. I mean, did you look at it and go, oh, that's a bad one? And, you know, is that the worst way for a pro career to end? Which it more or less did for Manny after that.
4: Yeah, it was horrendous as in terms of what came after that. At the time, one thing Manny didn't get injured, didn't go down, wasn't one. You know, a few times I play acted a little bit trying to milk, you know, I was like referees trying to milk things. He was never like that. So knew it was gonna be serious. You didn't, did
1: you come on?
4: <laughs> knew it was gonna be serious in terms of his um, him going down, but at the time I remember he sort of hobbled off, I think if I remember rightly. I don't think he was yeah. stretched off. Yeah. Um so then you're thinking like nothing too bad. And I think the initial thing after the game, I don't think he was in I can't remember 100%. I don't think he was in agony as such. And then obviously just never, I think he'd come back and play one game against Eastley at home. I think we won 2-0. He was absolutely outstanding. Um, And such a, like I say, such a shame. Because again, uh, for that level, a really talented, talented player and a really great guy that didn't deserve to have his career ended that way, really.
1: Yeah. Um, When uh, Sam Ricketts asked you and Manny Smith, which... which, uh, which centre forwards were the best? Was one of the answers Mike Fondop? Um, <laughs> is, is he is he a wasted talent or a talented waster? And didn't he once perform some dentistry on you in the training? On the Mike, training? Pitch? Mike,
4: Mike is a uh, what a, yeah, he's a funny, funny character. I <laughs> I really like Mike. He's um, hard to describe. Like you as in terms of as a player, like you just I wouldn't want to play against him, I'll be honest. Like he you because you don't you just don't know what you're gonna get. And that I think he tries his best in terms I just remember them trying to get him fitter and he was so he, like as in terms of long distance run anything like that, he was so fit, and but like everything was sort of dramatized with him, like he'd be running round and he'd look like he was absolutely he's about to die basically and you're thinking Mike it's really not that bad like what you're doing it's pretty simple really um, but he, he started like a house on fire didn't he and I I personally would have used him more throughout the season just because I felt we didn't have a goal threat really as in terms of consistent goal threat but one thing he could do was sort of do something out of nothing um, for all his frustrating bits he was the one that could have been a match winner for us so not necessarily that I would have started him every game or anything like that, but as the season wore on, especially second half of the season, I, I maybe would have used him off the bench a little bit more just as in terms of he might have popped up with a moment of madness three or four times. And if you look back, I think we lost out on the title by four points in the end, even though we finished fourth. It was that tight the top. Two games, two of them 1-1 draws or 0-0 draws or whatever, if he'd have produced two moments of madness, that might have been enough for us to be, the top team at the end of that season yeah and going back to Sam quickly this might preempt one of your other questions I, I, I really believe if Sam would have stayed we would have um almost like certain well you can't ever be certain of something but I'd have been amazed if we had got an extra four points if Sam would have stayed as manager
1: or five yeah. points whatever it was no I sort of agree with you there um you've got to tell us a little bit about the uh the training, I going. I mean, I'm looking at your teeth now, and they look absolutely superb. <laughs> <laughs> they, they absolutely blinded oh, but, me. They're, for now. they're turkey teeth,
5: aren't they? <laughs> and Mike, Mike, the didn't do them. No, they got, they
4: got, they got knocked out originally against Torquay when I was playing for Grimsby. and so the the front three are all false, um, and then but they're on like a bridge, so they're connected. So we're training one day, ball gets hung up to the back stick. I think back now, like, why didn't I just let like knowing what Mike's like, why didn't I just let him head it basically? Uh, I've gone to defend it. His elbow's just gone bosh and he just knocked my teeth clean out. Well, I have ju- I've jumped up like angry, like I'm fuming. And uh, Rob later, funny, Rob is great in this situation. So I jump up I'm so angry, like wanting to fight him basically. Rob holds me back and then as things start to calm down, Rob's like, I held you back because I'm not sure I fancied your chances <laughs> much there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and like looking back, I wouldn't have fancy the chances neither. But he was, uh, but to be fair, Mike, he, he was like at the time, he was like basically like, what, what do you want me to do? Like trying to score a goal, and he was right. Uh, thankfully, the teeth got put back in at the dentist, and and it wasn't too much of an issue. But yeah, it was uh it was a funny moment at the time. Well, not a funny moment for me at the time, but looking back, it was funny. My um, funny story about Mike was I always remember Mike asking me. He's obviously from Cameroon. I was the first player that's ever asked me, do you think the manager would give me a weekend off basically in the season to go back to Cameroon? And I was like, I was I remember thinking, I was like, that that's not gonna happen, Mike. like there's no way. Like, no way in the years. I think he ended up, I think we maybe did we lose in the cup or did we, we either have a weekend off or it might have been an FA trophy weekend and actually ended up meeting his family in Europe somewhere. But you know, I suppose in a it, I obviously laughed and joked and thought, like, that's crazy. But actually looking back, player from Cameroon in England yeah. doesn't get to see his family. Actually, probably it's it's tough, like, so. Uh, but, yeah, I always remember him asking me and thinking, I'm thinking, like, there's no chance that's happened.
1: Oh, fair play. He sounds a character. Uh, Sean, I want to play you a little bit more of footage here. And you might have an idea of who the player feeding us all these lines are after this. Right, hang on. I've got an idea
4: already. <clears throat> you see that?
2: He replaces yeah. oh, he'd been replaced by Akhil. Right.
1: Oh, I should have edited this better.
2: Ball <laughs> oh, played through. Chances for Gateshead. Deny. Chance here. Another block from Pearson this time. Towards goal. Wait, there and it's in. Armstrong pulls one.
1: Right, so that was Gateshead, and the player, the player in question said, um, "Yeah, he wants to." Uh, he, he said that after this, you both agreed that you were definitely at fault for that goal. That I was at fault. Yeah,
4: it's gonna be. It's one of 2 It's got I'm guessing Geno is my guess.
1: No, it, it's Ruthers. No, it is Ruthers. Yeah.
4: I did, yeah. I just went, when when Jeno was there, then I think oh, I'll be Jeno Ruthers, But I can't remember. So I was at fault. It was a great block.
1: Yeah. Oh, from the header
4: and not covering yeah. round.
1: Yeah, he said yeah. you had a massive argument, probably the biggest <laughs> argument he's had with a player. I argued with everybody.
4: <laughs> the reason why I said Jeno was because me like me and Jeno, get on so well now, even now, but the first 10 games me and James Jennings played together, I remember thinking there's no way we can play together because we were so like, fiery. And then, I don't know what, I, don't know, I can't remember the conversation or whatever, but eventually... Well, pretty clicked pretty quickly, and we just basically ganged up on everybody else together after that. But um he was uh yeah, me and Ruds. Yeah, I do remember having a, a big dingong with Rudd's. I had a few dingons with different players at times, never in a bad way, you know, just trying to get the best out of people. Um but yeah, I love just I I love Rudster a bit. It's like he's so um just his
1: passion, his drive and everything like that is
4: is uh fantastic.
1: It's obviously lasered onto his brain. Now you sort of <laughs> You've sort of, you've sort of, sort of said a little bit about it before, but you know, your captain—it's history repeating itself again, isn't it? Because you get to a stage of the season where we're doing all right, and it looks again like the manager's going to leave. <coughs> um, you know, did you see it coming as a captain, and is, you know, there's not much more you can do as a captain? But maybe could the club done a little bit more to keep him? It was—I think I'm probably the only person that sort of got both
4: sides at the time. Uh, I remember Spencer ringing me on the it would have been the Saturday morning. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think he'd go. Um, I remember Spencer ringing me on the Saturday morning, basically saying, uh, Shrewsbury approached Sam. I can't remember exact, the exact words, what was said, but basically approached Sam. Won't turn it down. So basically they banned him from coming to the game that night. So I thought, well, Sam obviously wants to go. That was my initial thought. I got off the phone to Spencer. 20 minutes later, Spe- uh, Sam rings me and he's like, look, the club won't let me come to the game. Um, like, I, I want to be there, blah, blah, blah. And it was it was mental. Sam puts a message in the group with the players, basically wishing us luck. Something's going on. And looking back at it, I just think the club got stung the year before, obviously, with Dean going. I think when Shrewsbury made the approach for Sam and Sam wouldn't turn it down straight away, I think they felt it was probably an already done deal. I, I genuinely, I might be wrong here. I genuinely don't think it was. I think Sam wanted to get the game out of the way and then speak to Shrewsbury properly. Um, and I I still believe, I might be completely wrong, I believe if the club would have really thrown it at Sam like we're desperate for you to stay, I think they were just, because of what had happened the previous year, they'd had the toes burnt once already, basically, fingers burnt, and they didn't want it to happen again. So I think the backs to the walls, like it was easy just to sort of like, oh, we know what's going to happen. Um, I think if they'd have put up a fight and said, look, this is... We can do this. Sam was so demanding. And I think mm. that was... I'm not sure the club, Dean had improved it and was, I think would have taken it to the next level the following season. Anyway, Sam coming did that and he was so demanding of the club. He constantly would talk to me about what he wanted, uh, how he wanted things done. There were so many things. And I think the club were... I think sometimes maybe a little bit scared as in terms of maybe not quite used to it as in terms of, I don't know if this is just because the level Sam had played at or whatever, but a little bit scared of committing everything to it and it not working out, which is understandable. But, um, yeah, I think he he just wanted so much. I think then when Shrews were coming, I think they probably maybe thought like, oh, he's so ambitious that it's almost probably just guaranteed he'll go. I'm not so sure. I remember, him te- I remember speaking to him on a s- Saturday night or Sunday morning and I still didn't, I was like, in my head, I was thinking, well, he can't come back now because he's not done the game. But I remember thinking, like, it doesn't seem to me, when I spoke to him, it didn't seem to me like a guy that wanted to leave the club. But obviously it happened and, and that's yeah, frustrating looking back. Um, but it-, it is what it is now. And uh, yeah, just disappointing really because I felt like we were, on something, obviously I'd, I'd sign the club then announced my new deal I'd actually signed my new deal, Sam was the one that gave me my new deal, I'd signed it a couple of weeks before they'd not announced it yet they are obviously waiting to announce it, I think they were going to do a big thing for it um, and then obviously they ended up announcing it, I think it was a little bit like a, to try and get that feel good factor yeah. back, which fantastic, because obviously that's what you have to do but um, I signed that deal obviously for Sam knowing Sam was going to be the manager and and wanting to carry on for him. That's not to say I didn't want to play for any other manager after that, but um, that was a real, for me, a real gutting and disappointing moment when that happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, Graham Barrow seemed an absolutely top fella. You sort of mentioned before at uh, uh, Um Was he the right man for the job at that time? Did you sort of feel a little bit sorry for him? Because it was obvious after a couple of weeks that he, he actually didn't really want to do it, did he? I think,
4: no. I, I remember having a chat with Graham and him saying he didn't, he didn't really want to do it full-time initially I think we then won a couple of games and Graham I think the club were then like a little bit like well actually maybe he could do it and I think to be fair I think Graham thought actually I probably could do this like I think maybe the couple of wins was a, a false I don't know I don't know how to describe it but he was like the perfect number two and he would have been the I think he would have been the perfect number two for Brian Hughes too um which was a shame that it didn't work out like that. He was great bloke, again, somebody I love working with. Um, Like, just a yeah, really funny character, really had some great, great big-time banter. Like, obviously, won the FA Cup as um, Roberto Martinez. He's a number two or 1st team coach or whatever at Wigan. Yeah. Just, like, he was a funny guy and obviously an older... Older generation, but like come out, we'd do boxes to warm up, or whatever, and he'd, he'd get the groups going, right? FA Cup winners in my group, and obviously he'd walk over and stand by himself. <laughs> then he'd look back around and he'd be like, FA Cup semi finalists, anybody two times FA Cup semi finalists? He was he was fantastic, like, um, uh, but brought a little bit of a because Sam was very Sam didn't really lose his head as such. If we lost, it was like it was just part of the process for Sam, like he's very methodical, didn't get too carried away when we won. Obviously, we won majority games if we lost it didn't really affect him and the way we wanted to do things whereas graham just brought that bit of steeliness as well like if somebody needed digging out he would dig them out a little bit old school and that's why they worked so well together uh but definitely going back to your question probably wasn't well it wasn't the right the right appointment and then and I think, i'm assuming it would have been graham's decision to appoint mike newell as number two that was just never worked out whatsoever like um and obviously, we end up losing the four games on a spin, and that ultimately that cost us the title. Really, when you look back, it was it was then four games, like, which yeah. is which is gutting. But you know, as frustrating as that is, looking back, that's that's the one season, especially out of the four years at Wrexham, like, I yeah, I probably have the most regrets over as intern. Not nothing that we could have done different from players' point of view, but like, it it should have been. Should have
1: been the one in the time. the time I was there, I felt. Yeah, it it did seem like the squad seemed light years ahead of where it was the season before. Now, one player who did come in uh, was Bobby Grant, and I remember when you know Bobby came in, I thought, "Wow, I thought what a signing that was." It never really quite worked out for him. Anything you could put put your finger on? On, on there for Bobby? I, th-
4: I think a little bit just unfortunate is in terms of even the year after when we really struggled down the bottom I think he scored nine goals by I don't know maybe by Christmas sort of time he'd actually scored a few goals and if you look back at just such I think he'd missed like two or three penalties and I think if you look back at that first half of the season we were like down near the bottom we'd drawn so many games and every game we lost was by one goal I think apart from one game where we lost 4-1 or 4-2 at Alec every game we lost was like really tight and that season could have been so different. if just, we had a few fine moments early on where if a few more goals had gone in for Bob, like where they hit the bar or he missed a penalty or it just, we played the oval at home. I remember nodding one down to him in the last minute and he put it over the bar from like three hours. It just never quite went for him for whatever reason that may yeah. be. I remember, I do remember talking to Bob Bob, and say, Bobby saying to me, like he was surprised at, the level of how good the level was of how physical it was because in terms of like he'd used to play League 1, League 2 but he'd, I think come from League 1 at a time saying like it, it, it was a lot tougher than what he thought initially it was going to be and I think a lot of players find that anyway when they first drop down to the National League um, I think it's become players are now more aware that actually the, the level's a good level and most teams that come up do pretty well um, but yeah, maybe a little bit naive to start with, but just I think he was just a little bit unfortunate. He was a he was a bit outspoken at times, but he was a he was a good guy. Trained, looked after himself well. Just yeah, just I think a little bit unfortunate at times and that it didn't quite work out a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean it happens. Uh just before I sort of hand over to to, to maybe Rich to have sort of like a critique of the season and then Reese to carry it on. Um for me, Brian Hughes was a left field appointment. I did not see that one coming. Um, if player, would the players are the same? I mean, uh, again, you know, he's a Wrexham legend. Seems a really good guy. But I know that they, the, the Wrexham Support Trust, had, had had sort of had a thing of picking managers like like Dean Keats, like Sam Sam Ricketts for their first time. I, I just wonder if they maybe got it slightly wrong with Brian I don't know what you thought
4: um, I think I I didn't see it coming I didn't have a clue who would have gone a point but that was the same with Sam in the summer I um, didn't have a clue what I would say is I think they just went tried to go with a continuity and I think if and this is nothing against Darlow and Brian Flynn who obviously ended up working on the Brian News I think if Graham Barrow would have stayed as number two I think if they'd have done that transition straight away I think it I'm not saying it definitely would have nobody knows but I think that would have just worked better. Graham was a really good number two for a first-time manager. I felt, is in terms of just the experience he brought and things like that, and how he, you know, he'd been in the game re- so recently and he'd spent time at Fylde at that level. He just, I think, he knew how to approach it and complement a manager. And I just think he would have would have done that a bit better. But that's obviously in hindsight again. Um, and if you look back at the end of that season. The first season, brand new squad, but we we good finished staff. the season pretty well, yeah. really. One, uh, what I would say is we had a clear way of playing, which Sam had put into us from the start of the season, and it was a continuity of that. I would say players knew the roles, knew the jobs, and just yeah, and it just we managed to keep it going. And you look back really at the playoff game, like we couldn't have done any more. Really, we had a good, perfectly good goal disallowed, penalty that should have been given. We at the bar, we had, you know we battered them, and then we conceded an absolute yeah. wonder goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. An absolute wonder goal, you know, and, and fair play to Danny Holmes. That was a great strike. But um, yeah, it was just yeah, frustrating. Um, frustrating that it ended that way. It felt like we deserved more to, felt like we deserve more than to lose in the elimination of the first game, you know. It felt like maybe we could have gone to but if you get beat. Just felt like we deserved to have more at the end of that year. But that's football and that's the way it goes. So you have to, yeah. um,
1: as horrible as it is, you have to suck it up. Rich, just bringing you in. I think the burning question from this season is who would win a fight between Mike Fondop and Sean Pearson.
5: <laughs> Fondop. Mike, Mike Fondop, hands down.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Rob oh. has looked after him big time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think for, for me, that that season probably. I think that probably does sum up our time in the National League the best, where the highs and lows of that season, even in that last in that last playoff game. Um, because that's the season we beat Salford 5-1 at home, didn't we, at Christmas? And I think I think it was after that game. I think everybody thought Graham Barrow was absolutely the right man and 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 we were going to just steamroller our way through to to win the league. Um, but I it, I, th- I think if you were to say that perfectly sums at Wrexham, that yeah, you know, we I think the reason <coughs> there was so much animosity towards Sam Ricketts when he left is I think I think the majority of us agree with what Sean's saying, which is I think we all felt that if if he was there for the whole season, I think I think we all know we we, we probably and you, you know as Sean said you can't guarantee anything, but I think we probably would have gone up, um, and I think that's why every fan took it so so personally really when 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 Sam Ricketts left us because it, it that that did feel at the time a, a group of players that were performing better. Than we'd seen over the previous couple of years, and 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 the style of play was very obvious, and and you just got the impression that everybody knew what their jobs were, um, and and every game that they went into, they knew they knew what they were meant to do, and when that towards the end of the season, obviously, wasn't happening as much, then. You know, unfortunately we we had our extra moment where you know there was a, a perfectly good goal disallowed. I can't remember who, who scored it from the corner. Not not somebody scores many goals, but um, a guy no, scored in the playoff. was it? it, oh, wasn't you, was it? What, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't
4: me. It was not <laughs> it, it was me that got it was me that got given the foul against that's
5: right, And and you know, you watch that goal back time and time again. There's nothing. there's literally nothing wrong with it. Um, I always remember that, that referee.
4: I actually, got with really well. Actually, don't believe it or not, I actually got really well with most of the referees. But I remember seeing that referee at Solliel the following season, and I remember him saying to me, basically, that game cost him promotion as well. Yeah, which I felt for him because really, he was, yeah, he was actually a good guy. Yeah. But so he cost me um, my
5: summer of enjoying myself, so uh, <laughs> I'm glad he lost that. Yeah,
4: <laughs> but it, it cost him his promotion as well. So it, I, I suppose it does show that it, it does have an effect on officials as well
5: so to speak do, yeah. do you think Sean do you think obviously like Sam's left gone to Shrewsbury do you reckon he'll ever get back into football I don't think so
4: now I think it's hard for him to come back now really is in terms of, I think if you leave the game it's so difficult then to get back in I've not spoke to him for a little while actually come on obviously did the pod I listened to the, the podcast that you did with him and I spoke to him a little bit after that um, and said but I think he's started a new business up now and I think he's sort of Happy with where yeah. he went, I, I, yeah. Which I, find, I think is a real shame. Like, uh, I think he had a lot to offer. He was definitely, obviously, young and still learning and whatever as a manager. But uh, I think he had a lot to offer and put it on some good things. But yeah, I suppose he's in a position where he don't you don't want to come back into it, and that's obviously his choice.
0: Thanks very much to Sean for sharing his time with us, top guy. And there's a lot more to come and more good stuff to come next week in part two. So please do uh, tune in for that one. Uh quickly, last couple of minutes, um, we've got two games this week. Wigan in the League Cup on Tuesday night, and then Wimbledon on Saturday, AFC Wimbledon. Tim, um, what are your thoughts? I think we've, you know, Parky's already said there's gonna be lots of changes, but um, how do you see them panning out?
2: Yeah, um, Wigan had a decent win. I know they're still in minus points territory after their uh, their deduction um, and relegation. I th- I still kind of feel they probably maybe have too much for us on on Tuesday. I don't know why. It's just a hunch. I just think they make a load of changes. Um, we'll put up a good fist of it, but maybe we'll we might not get over the line. So I don't I don't see us doing. Doing too great in that one, but you never know. You never know. We had we had a decent run in the cups last year, didn't we? So it would be nice to have a go just because it's our first time back in it in ages, but um it wouldn't be a massive disaster if we do bow out early, um, to be honest. So yeah, I think um I think we'll probably lose that one. And then yeah, AFC Wimbledon done. Well looking forward to that. I've been having a look at the ground before. It's a really, really nice setup down there, really nice spanking new ground I think it's only been up three years four years Being be an interesting game they uh, drew at Grimsby so they're a bit tighter at the back than what we were at the weekend um, and I again I think I think we're still easing ourselves into this into the season I think I don't think we'll lose um, but I think we'll probably come at, away from that with a draw which is by no means a bad result
0: Yeah I think uh, everyone loves a cup run don't they so be great to uh, uh, to get a win on Tuesday, but it's a tough ask. Um, Nessa, hopefully, at least we'll have a really good performance, uh, live on Sky as well. Um, but next Saturday, I agree, and I think it'd be really good to go away again. But I think performances matter more than anything at the moment. After you know, showing up the defense, it'd be great if we could go away to somewhere like the Cherry Red Records Stadium and get a get a draw come away with a one, one, one all or nil nil show that we've solidified a little bit and can do it away from home uh, Andy thoughts you'll be at uh, the AFC Wimbledon game on not you
1: yeah I'm going there looking forward to it one of the grounds I've never been to um, in, in any guys um, I think I, I've got a sneaker we might win there um, just another word on Waters I, I feel I was you know I was very tough on him earlier but the pace that guy has he he, he might be better away from home uh, than he is at home, and he could still have a part, part to play on that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't completely discount him. Um, have so, you got Billy
2: Waters down as our modern-day Wanyagate on that basis?
1: Uh, well, you know, but people have... Yeah, people have good runs, and, you know... That's not completely write the fella off. He didn't have a great game on yeah, on Saturday. Sorry, but... you, you were the bloke that wrote him off earlier. So don't <laughs> don't
0: start telling us not to write him off.
1: Yeah, but you know you've just do as I say, not as not
0: as I do. You've uh, just please. but I'd also mate, No one listens to the podcast after the interviews are finished anyway. So all they've heard well, is you him off. At
1: least if if have got an Irate Billy Waters coming after me, I can say, well, actually, Billy, did you actually listen to the whole of the what whole of the uh, podcast where I was singing your praises after? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, fine. Right, you he back. could come off the bench and he could score, and I reckon we're going to win two one. Okay. Um, Liam,
0: Wigan, and Wimbledon. How do you see them going?
3: Uh, Wigan. I'm not sure what to expect in terms of the starting lineup after Parky's um, post match comments. It's quite a hard one, but I'll go for. Can we? Do we have to finish? The, how does this match work? Do we have to finish it on the night? This is all new territory to me.
0: Andy is nodding. Yeah, no replays.
3: So I can't... Well, I suppose I could go for a a one-all draw.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. And then Wimbledon?
3: Uh, I'm going to sound so negative now, but I'm going to say a 2-1 defeat.
0: That's all for us. The Positive Fearless and Devotion podcast. The whingers.
1: Uh, hopefully.
3: We...
0: You, know,
1: you know, we do whinge after. A, everything's so terrible after, after a five, three defeat, isn't it? And then, you know, we didn't whinge much last year because we absolutely won everything. But there will come a time where you do sort of see see faults in things. And, you know, there was a lot of faults it's on Saturday, bad. but let's not get too down. Did you
3: leave early? I know Liam wanted to get this in. So I didn't leave early a minute. Yeah. I, yeah. go on. You got to take the bad with the good, haven't you? That's what I think. I've, that's I've the never left a, a
2: sporting,
0: so. Yeah, I've never left a sporting event early. I'll never, i will never. I. I. People are obviously entitled to do what they want, um, but I've always found it a, a, a profoundly odd thing to do. Um, still. To be more positive, as we were saying earlier, it's a good time to get a reality check. It's an awfully long way to go in this division. It's not like the National League where you have to get under points to get promoted. Uh, you know, There's three automatic promotion spaces up for grabs. I think that's far from our minds at the moment. But let's just settle into the league first and see how we go. Please do join us next week. You can email us and Tim will check it. He'll do his um, biannual check of the email account this week. So please do email us at fidzine at gmail.com and follow us on every other thing.
2: Like and subscribe and give us a review and all that jazz. That'd be wonderful. Buy us a coffee if you think this is worth it. It'd be very nice and very handy. Thank you very much. Indeed.
0: Um, best of luck uh, to everyone. Why am I, who am I wishing good luck to? Me. Right. Andy. Good luck, Andy. Uh,
2: he, oh, are you going to send Paul Mullin more more love and respect and hopefully be in the wind at Wimbledon next week? I'm, 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 on praying,
1: I'm praying on a lung. I bought <laughs> um, I brought uh, an animal lung um, from the butcher, and what I'm doing, I'm I'm just sort of like praying on it. As Andy
0: was responsible for the the whole lettuce Liz Trust thing, I thought you're gonna you're gonna set one up on a live stream then and sort of live stream Mullin's lung. Can can Mullin's lung repair quicker than this one? Then this one dissipates. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually. (laughs) And on that note, bye. See you next week. See you. Thank you. Keep
4: the faith.